The following audio message is from Neighborhood Church in Overland Park, Kansas. At Neighborhood Church, we seek to be a community that loves God and our neighbors together. If you would like to learn more about Neighborhood Church, please go to www.neighborhoodchurchop.com. Last week, as you, as many of you guys know, uh, Rivers and I weren't here, um, and we just want to say thank you uh, to to many of you uh, who are on rotations that help make Sunday morning happen. Uh, when we are, when I arrived today, I recognized that our our simple Sunday service that has been kind of put in three different closets all got put into one room so that we could come and do this in here today. I was opened the door. I was like, holy moly, church is growing and we got lots of bins and stuff to do. And, and all of a sudden, you know, half a dozen people showed up within five minutes of each other to help make this happen in a new room. So things like this are super encouraging um, uh, to, to me. And, and it's not only this, it's our it's our neighborhood groups that happen on Wednesdays, people who come early to help get those set up, you know, Brian and Jenny opening up their home each week and people who help out there. And also, uh, many of you guys are in or lead discipleship groups. Um, we thank you for that. And, and almost all of you are just great neighbors. You're great neighbors to people who live around you. And um, I just wanted you guys to know that when being gone for a week and, 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 and um, uh, that vacation for me, I really could just turn off the phone I didn't have cell service, but I really could just, you know, turn off the phone and uh, know that, you know, the, that you guys would take care of loving the neighborhood well and on the service and the other events that happen throughout the week. Um, we are studying um, the life of Abraham, so we're going to be getting into that for a second. But um, let, me, uh, let me go ahead and pray to kind of start us off and just ask that the Holy Spirit help us better understand uh, his word. Father, we thank you for this morning. We thank you that we um, get to uh, just weekly and um, corporately remember uh, the works that you have done uh, as you sent Jesus and your spirit to guide us uh, to live this life for your glory. And uh, thank you for uh, the Bible. Thank you for this text of how you have worked throughout the generations, um, uh, even before Abraham, how you were working uh, to set up humanity for the life that you have designed for us and your creation. Uh, we do pray for the power of your spirit to help us understand it and to uh, help our steps uh, be made on the path uh, that would be the most satisfying life. It's in your name. Amen. Uh, so my aim today is that you would grow in your confidence of knowing the, the will of God in your life. Okay, so wherever you are, my hope is that you would Grow in some confidence in that. And when I say God's will, I just mean God's purposes, God's plan, what he would hope for you. And, and knowing what to do, not just, not just when you seek the scriptures, just in life, right? It's hard to know what to do sometimes. And, and, and we decided to go to the Rocky Mountains. If you were on uh, Rivers on my Facebook this last week, she posted up a ton of pictures, which was just awesome to even look through those again. And it was a blast to go see what God has made. And uh, before we left, we look up pictures to kind of where we maybe wanted to go. And in the pictures there, we were quickly convinced that this is where we wanted to show our kids uh, part of America that's just one day down 70. And, and we wanted to show them this picturesque scenery. And boy, talk about pictures. We took the same picture of the same mountain like 20 times, and they're all the same. But it was just fun to take the same picture, and you guys know these situations. Um, but we have never seen this before as a family, and, and we had looked up some blogs and looked up some maps, and uh, 
actually, it was kind of an uneasy feeling when you, when, when you hear about the thousands of, of um, maybe miles or the, 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 just the number of trails in Colorado that you can walk through and see beautiful places. And we only had so many days, so we only needed a few of those miles of trails, right? We just needed a few of those, and we wanted to make sure that we saw the best ones. We wanted to make sure that we didn't waste our time there or, or waste our money. And if, and if I didn't do something, I wouldn't want to be driving back with the mountains in the rearview mirror. Many of you guys who have driven from there, you see the mountains in the little mirror, and you're kind of like, bye. You know, I didn't want to have regrets of not doing something. Um, but you know what we did? Well, we, we talked as a family about things that we have enjoyed in the past. And we also looked at some maps, as I shared. And we also talked to some people that had gone before us. And so documented information, experiences from others, and our own experiences helped us design what we did. So I want to pose to you today that in our spiritual life, this idea of seeking confidence in God's will, it's kind of similar. What should I do? What does God want me to do? And my hope this morning is that you trust that the second question is the right one. This idea of what does God want you to do is the right one in seeking the best life possible, not just a good vacation. But God loves you, and he, he wants all of his children to have an abundant, wonderful life, right? Full of satisfaction, and I want to add this morning, adventure with him so that we can continue to display his worth and show his glory, right, to all. But before we get into Genesis today, I just wanted to share this passage from Romans 12. It's been an important passage for me as a late teen in thinking about what does it mean to follow God's will. It's Romans 12, 1 and 2. It says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what the will of God, what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. And when I look at this passage, there's these kind of four things that jump out. One is you start out humble. You lay your lives down to accept Jesus, to sit on the throne as the king of your life. We've been talking about this for three years. That's where it starts. Secondly, we stop being conformed to the world, right? And we talk about this as repentance. We turn, right? This is something we continuously talk about at our church. Thirdly, we see we're transformed by the renewing of our mind that the belief and faith in Jesus does, right? We think like God and not like the world. And then, and only then, will we know the will of God. And this is the path that Abraham is on. Now, as we've been studying from the creation of the earth through creation of people and the flood with Noah and the murder and all these things that we talked about, uh, the chaos that was going on, God ends up showing up after the Tower of Babel to this, this guy named Abram. And he's changed his name to Abraham now. I'm going to refer to him as Abraham today. And he is called by God to be the father of the nation that's been chosen to be the display people for his glory. I'm going to say that again. Abraham has been called by God to be the father of the nation that's going to be the display people to the whole world. 
We've been talking about that man was created in God's image to be this billboard, to be this expression. We talked about this mirror. We've talked about all kinds of things. Abraham is now the father of a nation that's going to be an extremely large mirror for the whole world to see. And he has been told that through his children, God's going to save the world. Abraham had to wait a hundred years to have this child, Isaac, that the blessing was going to go through. And last week, Joel shared, if you were here, about Abraham being tested to sacrifice this one son. But Abraham knew that God had a plan, and in that plan, he did save Isaac. He stopped and supplied and provided another sacrifice. And that was in Genesis 22. In Genesis 23, in your Bible, Sarah, Abraham's beautiful wife, she dies, right? And she's buried. And today we're going to look at the next chapter, Genesis 24. So if you have a Bible around you and like to have the words there in front of you or your phones, we're going to be in Genesis 24 today. Just looking at a few of the verses there to start that chapter off. And Abraham is seeking to do the will of God. So let's read Genesis 24, 1. I'll back up some so you guys can see. Now Abraham was old, well advanced in years, and the Lord had blessed Abraham in all things. And Abraham said to his servant, the oldest of his household, who had charge of all that he had, Put your hand under my thigh that I may make you swear by the Lord, the God of heaven and the God of the earth, that you will not take a wife for my son from the daughters of the Canaanites among whom I dwell, but will go to my country and my kindred to take a wife for my son Isaac. The servant said to him, Perhaps the woman may not be willing to follow me to this land. Must I then take your son back to the land from which you came? Abraham said to him, See to it that you do not take my son back there. So we have Abraham here, a man that's been told that through his family, right, the whole world would be blessed, and that we have God who has already given him this miracle son where Abraham was a hundred years old, having Isaac. But there's still a problem, right? Isaac is 40. And he's still not married. In the last chapter, we learned of Sarah passing. And maybe Abraham begins to consider his own timeline, right? Like, he, he feel like he has this covenant. It's, it's, he's in charge. i got to figure this out again. This is the Abraham that we've read in the past 10 chapters. He's 140 years old now. And it's time to choose a spouse for Isaac. Now, this is where I kind of want to pause for a second and, and point something out for us. Uh, when we're reading through these books of the Bible, or maybe you're reading a paragraph at a time or even a chapter at a time, it's sometimes hard to remember or retain kind of like, where is this kind of coming from or that kind of coming from? And it gets confusing at times. And you may think that this conversation Abraham is having with a servant who, if you didn't what, know what's happening in the story, the servant is going to be is being sent back to the place Abraham left to go get a wife, bring a wife back for Isaac. That could be your story. That's not the way I found my wife, but that could be yours. And that's the way that God and Abraham right now are working this out, how Isaac's going to get a wife. Um, I'm just thinking about going back to my hometown for a second. I was like, 
You know, I already found one for my hometown. I think I got the right one for my hometown. But maybe some of you think about your hometown, and you're like, yep, I don't want anybody going back to my hometown to get me a wife. That's, I'm good. So, but as where Abraham's at, he's like, my hometown, right? And we're going to talk about this this morning, right? He's having this, he's saying, promise me you will go and do this. And he's saying it pretty confidently. But there's no recording in the Bible about God telling Abraham to do this for his son Isaac. So Abraham's deciding what to do based on what he already knows about God. So when we talk about God's will, you may think something like, well, Abraham got to talk to God, right? Yeah, but it's very short conversations. It's over many, many years, and he's the only one doing it. So there's probably times he's kind of like, Am I losing my mind? What kind of vision did I just have? What's going on? Everyone around him is pagan, right? So point number one is God's past words should direct our future decisions. What does Abraham know? Well, Isaac must have a wife. The wife cannot be from the Canaanites. And Isaac must not go back himself to the land. So before we get into the story, just remember, you have the Bible, you have God's Word, you have the church, you probably meet with Christians more than once a week, many of you in the room. Abraham sees God once every 10 years, maybe, in these short conversations. He's living in a land full of pagans, this scripture we're reading, he doesn't have. He's kind of writing it, if you will, with his life. Moses won't write it for many generations in the future. And I just picture, as Moses is writing this account, right? Moses is, is 400 plus years after this, right? Many years after this. I can imagine Moses writing this story of Abraham, and Moses is thinking about his own people. And as we shared long, you know, a few weeks ago, Moses is not going to get to go into the promised land. He's in the desert recounting all this situation where God's been interacting with humanity. And Moses is writing the story of Abraham choosing to do something with confidence that God didn't specifically tell him. Because that's what he's giving to the Israelites. He's like, guys, I don't know if God's going to talk to you anymore, but he's been talking for a while. So here's some words. You can have them. What has God said and what should your future be? Abraham, he's deciding what to do based on who God is and what he has already promised. And it made me think of the Psalm of David, 119.105. Your word is a lamp into my feet and a light into my past or a light to my path. God's past words should direct our future decisions. So let's look at these three expectations I just shared that Abraham is sharing with this servant. And John Piper was extremely helpful in studying this part of the scriptures. Number one, Isaac must have a wife. The wife cannot be from the Canaanites, and Isaac must not go back to the land. So start with number one, Isaac needed a wife. In Genesis 12, 2, this is what God said to Abraham. Abraham, I'll make you a great nation. Later in 15, he says, Look toward heaven and the number of stars, if you are able to number them. So shall your descendants be. 
Genesis 21, he says, Through Isaac shall your descendants be named. So Abraham is listening to God's passwords, making decisions now with his servant. I need Isaac to have a wife. God's passwords directed Abraham's future decisions. Number two, the wife cannot be from the Canaanites. So who are the Canaanites? That's the people group that he's around, the land of Canaan. Polytheistic, very paganistic, probably violent in lots of ways, a people group that God has said, this is where you're going to sojourn, Abraham. So God tells Abraham that his descendants will be oppressed for 400 years in Egypt. So some prophecy back in Genesis 15. And then he says, And they shall come back here, and in the fourth generation, for the iniquity of the Amorites is not yet complete. That may be totally confusing to you guys. But what God's saying to Abraham in the future, four or five hundred years from now, what's going to happen is those people are going to come back here and be oppressed by these very people. So I can picture Abraham going, so if these very people are going to be under judgment of God, I probably shouldn't like intermarry with them, right? So he's taking God's past comments, God's past words, and using them confidently to tell the, the servant to go get him a, 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 a wife or his son. So God's past words directed Abraham's future decisions. And thirdly, Isaac must, no go, must not go back to the land. And this may be pretty easy for us to understand. Abraham was just told, go, leave, leave your family, go to the land, I'll show you. Abraham does all that. And now he's like, Isaac needs a kid or needs a wife to have children, right? So I'm not going to take a chance on sending my son back to all this life, this comfort that I just left. He wasn't going to take a chance on that. And I'm considering that being a, prom, a, 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 a thing to do to break the promise of God. God's past words directed Abraham's future decisions. And as I've shared a couple times already, our second point today is God's words create confidence. So we're going to continue reading in Genesis and see how confident was Abraham. He's still talking to the servant. Genesis 24, 7. The Lord said, the Lord, the God of heaven, who took me from my father's house and from the land of my kindred, and who spoke to me and swore to me, to your offspring I will give this land. He will send an angel before you, and you shall take a wife for my son there. But the woman is not, if the woman is not willing to follow you, then you will be free from this oath of mine. Only you must not take my son back there. So the servant put his hand under the thigh of Abraham, his master, and swore to him concerning this matter. Abraham is so confident, he actually tells the servant, an angel's going to guide him. I've never done that before for people. I've probably maybe even, if you maybe asked me a question, those in the room, maybe you've asked for some advice. I've never ended with, and an angel's then going to then point the direction of which job you're going to take. So make sure you look out for him. You know, I don't, I, don't, I don't have that kind of confidence yet, but I hope to one day. Basically, is saying, God will help you find the right wife for my son. This is the kind of confidence that Abraham has. Hughes writes this, 
What stands out above all else in these words, Abraham's final words in Scripture, is Abraham's faith. Now, Abraham's first recorded words in Scriptures have been expressive of his doubts and when he said, you have given me no offspring back in 15. But here's the last recorded words declared unwavering faith in God as he said, he will send an angel before you and you shall take a wife for my son there. And John Calvin says, we have simple reliance on the providence of God See, Abraham believed God. And he believed that his unseen hand would do it all. And God's hand may be hidden, but this effective power is absolute. Abraham knew what was going to happen because God said it. He believed it with all his heart. And I encourage you all to read chapter 24. You're going to see how God's sovereign plan plays out with Isaac and Rebecca and how they meet and how she becomes his wife and how in the last verse it says he loved her. That's a great, great way to talk about how God's providence ended in this marriage of two becoming one and a heart for her. And we know Abraham was not always so full of faith and obedience. If you actually took time and read through uh, the last dozen chapters of Genesis, you'll see Abraham's faith going up and down and lying and doing all kinds of things for and against God. But I'm sure he lived with some regrets. But here we find in the last quarter of his life, faithful, right? Trusting in the past words of God for his future decisions. Just as we close this morning, I just want to ask, do you have confidence in what you are doing? Do you have confidence in the things that you think you should and shouldn't do? And I started off saying sometimes we know, sometimes we don't. And often it is hard making decisions. And there are many decisions in life. Your family, your job, your home, your time, your money. What are you going to do with those things? And if you happen to not live on an island somewhere by yourself and you have friends and families and neighbors, let's just multiply that number of decisions by 10, if not more, in thinking of all the things that we must decide. And what I want to pose this morning is, would you consider what God has already said in the past to help you in your future decisions? When we were on vacation We were considering our hikes, and you know what we started with was a map. These paths told us if the hikes were 12 miles long or 12 miles up. Not 12 miles up straight, but we'll just say 12,000 miles high, right? We knew to stay away from those hikes as a family, right? We needed six or fewer miles a day, and as little elevation as possible. (laughs) That was was one of the things we suggested for one another. We needed to start off with a map that guided us, just like we need to start off with God's Word. Next, we talked to someone who had been there before and knew the map. There were park rangers there. 
that had walked these paths daily. We asked them, would this be good for our family? And like that, do we talk with other people who have gone before us on the paths of God? Do we ask them when life decisions come up or we try to do it on our own? Do you have brothers and sisters in Christ in your life that you are willing to ask these questions for, no matter how dumb you think they are? My hope is that you would look around this morning. There are many in this room that have walked the paths of God for a long time. They've been off the path of God too, so they know what that looks like, and they would love to help point you to God. And lastly, in closing, when you stand on the rock of God's word, you will have confidence in your decisions. You do not need to fear, but you can run freely towards the decision you're making. He will go before you. He will guide your steps is what the scriptures teach us. This life that we have can be full of joy and freedom as you stand on the promises of God. Jesus, as we share every morning, he's paid for your sin. He wants to be your king. He wants to be your guide and guide you along this path of life that you're on. When you're not worried about if you're on the right path or not, those of you guys have been hiking before, when you know the direction you're going, you've done the work, you've heard the experiences, you know what you can do is there's a slide. You can kind of look up and you can see the scenery around you. This is Rivers and the kids walking along the path. And there's many times we were not looking down. We knew this was the way. And guess what you get to see when you're not looking at rocks on the ground the whole time? You get to see miles of God's beautiful scenery. And hopefully in your life that you will look up and you'll see other people. You'll see other decisions. You'll see people who need Jesus. You'll say, hey, here's a path. Look, here's something. And it's, it's, I'm scared to say safe, right? I'm scared to say safe. But it's right. That this path, following Jesus, is right. And God is powerful. And he wants you to have an adventure. So this morning, my challenge is that you would look up in the grace that God has given you. And you will follow the example of Abraham, who not only heard God tell him do things, but he also took all those things that God had already told him and just started making decisions in his life. And that you would do that. That you would consider what the Word says. You would consider what others that have gone before you say. Here at Neighborhood Church, um, we have locked arms together to love God and our neighbors together. That's the path we're on. We think that's the path that God is putting our church on. So come join the path with us. Right? Come with us. Because we know the maker of the map. We know the maker of the mountain. Let's pray. Father, we love you. We thank you for this life that you've given to us. 
Father, we know you've told us many things in your word that we have not yet read and not yet followed. So, Father, this morning in our time together, may we, may we dig deep into your word in the future so that we know what you're already saying to us. And not only know them with our minds, but know them in our hearts. And we will no longer be conformed by the patterns of this world, but we will be transformed by the renewing of our minds. And then we will know what your will is for our lives. This good, pleasing, and perfect will full of adventure. Father, forgive us where we have sinned, where we have been lazy, we have not listened. We've known the truth and we went the other way. Jesus, thank you for dying for all those sins. Thank you. Jesus, lift our heads this morning in peace and in freedom and allow us to see the adventure around us. It's in your name. Amen.